and welcome to Game and Watch, the podcast where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I am your co-host, uh, Aaron, joined as always by my other co-host, James. Pleasure to be here talking about this wonderful blast from the past. Pleasure to meet you, James. Oh, oh, good to meet you too. This is yeah. actually, yeah. Well, how did you wind up here? Um, you invited me. Okay. Well, it's a good thing you're here to talk about, as you said, a blast from the past, uh, a game that I have extensive experience with, Super Mario Brothers 3, um, and pretty much a classic in in anyone's book that kind of knows classic games. Yeah. Um, this is, well, I mean, we'll talk about personal histories. This this might have been the first Mario game I've ever played. I, I was trying to, trying to, like, nail it down, and I'm, I'm between this and... Mario six golden coins for Game Boy. I think it was I, one of these two. I yeah, I think that or actually, strangely enough, um, the original Donkey Kong. Oh well, I guess I guess if that counts, then that would be. But my. I think in terms of consoles, I, yeah, I think this one is pretty high up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a game that I it's might it might be one of the Mario games I played the least which is not saying much like one of the mainstream Mario games that I played the least, but it's not saying much because I have played, I've still played it many, many times. And I was just telling you before we started recording, and I think this will be a recurring uh, topic. And as well as you know, the game, I'm sure you could understand how for me, no matter how many times I play this game, I just don't, I don't have a grasp on it. I mean, I don't like repeat it over and over and over again. Like, granted, it's I'm sure you have way more experience with it than I have. But I, I, if I had to guess, I've played this game 10, 12 times, probably more uh, over my, the course of my whole life. And I just I feel this this game is so foreign to me. It's it's a great game, but it's it's very foreign to me. And I and I don't I can't quite pin down what it is about this game that does that. It's kind of odd considering that we'll talk about it in a bit, but this is really the playbook for kind of all Mario games that come after it. So many things begin with this Mario title. And I was trying to put myself in the shoes of people who played it right when it came out, who played the original when it came out, who, you know, maybe played the second one were like very disappointed and was just kind of waiting for this. And then, the the reaction they might have had is like it, the contrast between the original and this, and I know we'll get we'll talk about this in terms more of like wow, all the things that this game introduced, but like I'm trying to think of an equivalent to like I, my mo- like my more modern like gaming experience, like looking forward to something and just seeing a game that changed things so much and introduced so many new mechanics and items. It, it, it must have been incredible to have been like waiting for this to come out and to get it. I have a feeling it was, I have two analogies and both I don't think are perfect, but I think come a bit close. One I think is the jump between Sonic one and Sonic two. Okay. Um, Sonic one was a great kind of prototype for the Sonic idea, but it was too slow and way too many parts for a game yeah. of speed. Sonic two streamlined everything and kind of maximized on the, the potential of Sonic one. Um, which is exactly what I think this game does. I think Super Mario Brothers, the original, um, has a lot of great foundational ideas, but this just kicked it up to 11 and kind of blew that concept out to um, its its full potential. Yeah. Um, it's not quite as big of a leap, but I almost think the jump to um, 
like Ocarina 64 versus A Link to the Past, almost mm. in terms of, again, well, or no, I would say, bring it back a generation. <laughs> um, the jump from uh, Legend of Zelda, or Zelda 2, I suppose. That, uh, to, that I think that works a little better. Yeah. In terms of just like how how much they added, how different it was. And even that, and I think, and I agree with you, that I think that's a good analogy, but it still doesn't quite capture it in the sense that like both of these games, Mario, the first Mario and Mario, well, Mario 2 and Mario 3, were all for the same console. Like yeah, Link to the right. Past, you have yes. the console jump. And so at that point, especially at following like Mario World, you're probably expecting something more out of Zelda and you got it as incredible as it was and how many, you know, in terms of how many things it added. But like, man, it's, it's just the same console. Like what, what an enormous like leap from the original to this. Now that we're talking about it, would you say this is the largest uh, within console kind of leap that you can think of. Wow. I wish yeah. I would have like done some prep to, to answer I, that yeah, type of I, question. I, I just thought of it right now, but I think that's a really interesting idea because th- like this is almost what Nintendo does for Mario games on their newest console. Yeah. They just like dial it up to 11. They introduce a bunch of brand new fun ideas and they really kind of kick off new consoles with a game like kind of like this, really. So this might not be a very, uh, I'm trying to think of something just to, to submit as an answer to that. And this might not be a very like popular comparison and it might not, it's still maybe not quite the same thing, but I got to say the leap from Banjo-Kazooie to Banjo-Tooie, Banjo-Tooie is a big game, like almost, probably triples the scale of the original at a minimum in terms of like length and size of each world and all that. And just all of the different power-ups and things It has a first person shooter mode. Like it has a multiplayer mode separate from the main game. Like it, the amount of things that Banjo-Tooie added, like they went big um, same console. I would say that's, that's the first thing I can think of. Yeah. The only thing I can really think of that speaks to my own bias is uh, Pokemon gold and silver versus okay. Pokemon red, blue, and yellow. Oh, same idea. Like red, blue, and yellow, very strong foundation. Um, gold and silver just kind of polished all that to perfection and yeah. added a slew of new mechanics that were also really good in their own right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, the development of this game, it is a sequel, obviously, as we said, to Super Mario Brothers uh, 1, really. Super Mario Brothers 2 is pretty commonly known. It's a reskin of Doki Doki Panic um, with Mario characters. It was definitely worked on by the Nintendo team. But um, in terms of like actual sequel, sequel, gameplay-wise, uh, this is a sequel to the original Mario Brothers. Um, Miyamoto led the development and production of this game. Uh, Miyamoto now the president of Nintendo kind of has always had his hands in all things Nintendo, you know, creator of Mario. Um, and I have a couple quotes from uh, a book about the development of Super Mario Brothers 3. Okay. Um, called Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, <laughs> by Boss Fight Books. Uh, you should check it out if these quotes sound interesting. Um, one is Miyamoto was leading his team on a quest for fun. He has said many times that he's always been more interested in designing toys than designing games. And the word he uses most often to describe his design philosophy is fun. Although he's pioneered innovations with character, narrative, and hardware, Miyamoto's design philosophy privileges gameplay over everything else. And that comes through absolutely in this game and in others. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. As I, if we needed to question Miyamoto. <laughs> Well, I saw this quote and I think it perfectly sums up the philosophy of this game. This game is 
first and foremost, fun. Um, yeah. It's really bright. It's colorful. The levels are bite-sized. You're constantly getting new and different uh, power-ups and items and scenarios and enemy mix-ups. Um, and there's never a level... Well, I mean, there are a few levels that perhaps aren't as exciting as others, but I would say for the the most part, there's no level in here that I would say is, is badly designed. Um, mm -hmm. There is something to each of them. Um, anything else to add to that? I was going to, I could, I couldn't quite figure out when would be a good time to bring it up. So I'll bring it up now. Does this game feel like it has levels? Some levels are shorter than even the original Mario brothers levels. Yes. However, I was looking at a breakdown of the number of levels per world in the original versus mm -hmm. this one. <clears throat> and the original had, I believe, five or four levels per world. This that one right. yeah. has like an average of, you know, six to eight plus. Um, and I think the things they do in each level to differentiate themselves um, are very different than yeah. what the what the gimmicks that differentiate the Super Mario Brothers. The want. variety is definitely there in spades. It was yes. just is it was like maybe a, a reminder every single time I play this, like how quickly the end of the levels seem to come. Yeah, and some of them you're absolutely right. Some are significantly shorter than others, um, and some kind of uh, are longer. Um, but I think actually it makes this the perfect, um, and we'll talk about it again when we get to versions, but I think this Mario game more than a lot of others is perfect for handheld. Oh yeah. Um, the levels are very, you know, snack sized. You can, you know, you can do a world and, you know, it's kind of 10 minutes if you know the game really well and put it down. Um, I played this on the switch with safe states. Um, it was an absolute blast as did I. Um, another quote from the same book, again, Super Mario Brothers 3 by Boss Fight Books. Uh, the team couldn't update level data without the help of one of their four programmers, which meant that they could only experiment with level designs twice per day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. <laughs> um, I, I found this especially interesting because I think that um, really coalesced, coalesced a lot of the level gimmicks and level ideas um, the fact that they could only try them twice a day, I think that's really interesting, like an interesting limitation that they had to work under because I'm sure, you know, as that cycle progressed, they would have a level, they would get one shot in the morning to try out whatever they had added to it. Um, and then the take notes, and then they had all day um, on that level to mm -hmm. think about it, to um, kind of ruminate, to just explore what other ideas or what fixes they could add um, and then they could tackle it again. So again, compared to Mario one, um, each of these levels feels extremely differentiated from the others. And I wonder if, you know, if they had free access to all the levels, um, if it would have turned out this way, or if the levels would have been closer to each other, a la super Mario brothers one. Yeah. Um, Do you know offhand the, the year gap between Mario one and this was it, two years um, or is it much longer than no no it must have been longer than that well i mean because super mario brothers <laughs> one was an arcade game but the nes uh adaption was in oh. 1985 oh yeah yeah because mario brothers 2 was 1986 yeah 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 okay um yeah mario brothers one was 85 the port of the arcade game yeah yeah speaking of releases uh this released in japan in 88 october of 88 near the end of the year um, and then was brought over to America actually a couple of years later in February of 1990. Such bullshit. 
imagine yeah, imagine now, bit, yeah <laughs> imagine being like this now like you're waiting for the next mario game and they get it like almost two years before I... <laughs> we do wouldn't you just be like i'm gonna go to japan just so i can play it at this point I, like what the hell i remember the year gap between when pokemon gold and silver came out in japan and america i remember buying a jap like a strategy guide for the japanese <laughs> version that i didn't even own because i was so excited for gold and silver to come out <laughs> um so yeah these these uh region waiting times were really awful kind of doesn't happen anymore but uh an annoying relic of kind of gaming past yeah yeah um so this game was released to widespread critical acclaim um, amongst critics and fans alike. I mean, this this was monumental. And I, I wish that I had been old enough to appreciate it at the time. I was only like, well, actually, I don't even think I was I was almost one year old when this game came out. Um, and like many, many people, this is the first Mario game they ever played. And some people, maybe one of the first video games I've ever played. Uh, and it's its impact is is still you know still exists people still say that this is their favorite 2d mario game one of their favorite mario games ever it's 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 a top tier mario game for many many people in people who grew up with it like when who came were alive and playing video games right when it came out and people maybe like you and me who got it a little bit later because we were too young at the time yeah yeah this absolutely kind of cemented Mario as a gaming icon. Gaming was still console gaming, home console gaming was still very new uh, at, during this time. Um, and, you know, because of the gaming crash, like earlier in the 80s um, and things like that, it wasn't actually really guaranteed at this point in time that console home gaming would would last. Like people saw it as maybe a fad. Um, but especially games like this and characters like Mario really cemented that console gaming in general um, was kind of going to be around. Yeah. Do you, so I guess we can get to personal histories because I've got a handful of things to say about this and there's, there's certain comparisons I want to make to other Mario games as part of this. And, and maybe I'll do it a little bit later too. Um, when we got to get into the details, but so, and, and I, I've told you before, like I, I have a hard time kind of, as I mentioned earlier, figuring out what Mario game was the first one I ever played, but this, this might have been it. Um, I know the first time I ever played this game was at a friend's house. He had a he had an original Nintendo. I, I did not. I think I probably was maybe four years old, four five years old, too young to be good at video games because I know we did not beat this game. Um, he and I were really. I, I don't know if you ever remember playing like the original Mario too. Like I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't beat the original Mario until I was older. I, I mean, I was just. I, I I played a lot of these types of games. This game, original Mario, and I'm trying to think of what else. Man, like, so, I mean, maybe even Sonic. I mean, there were a lot of games that when I played when I, at a really young age that, I, that I did not beat them because they, I, they were just, they were super fun to play. They were super hard. Well, here's the question that I think you have to ask yourself. Hmm. Would you say that Genesis did what Nintendo didn't? how dare you <laughs> i i'm not a genesis boy I, i'm not i I've, I've honestly never i never have been um i came for a lot of genesis stuff i came to it late with the exception of sonic um i was just i was not a genesis person uh i, was a, I, I, was I wasn't a, very interested in it i was a dirty i was a dirty genesis boy what, i uh makes, i played i dirty? played i played comic zone that'll make a person feel dirty. oh wow wow yeah 
Um, but yeah, like so, so, so I, I mean, I played this, played this a long time ago. I couldn't tell you exactly when the first time I actually played it to completion was. I, my guess is it was probably around when I was eight or nine. Um, and I think I did it for the game. I think I did it on the Game Boy Advance version. Um, okay. I, I played every version. We'll talk. There's many different versions. I played every version of the game except one until now. Um, I, you know, again, so I played it, played it way, way long ago. Don't have no idea how far I got, um, but I know I was bad at it. Revisited it, you know, many years later. And then I probably play this game every once, every, I don't know, three, four years, at least once, um, probably for, you know, my whole life. Um, and this most recent time I came back to it on the super Nintendo Mario all-stars version. Um, I started it originally just the, the original, because it's just what I was used to. And then I was like, well, you know, I, it's the one version of the game I've never played. I'm going to play that one. And when I say that, I mean the emulated version of that on Nintendo switch online, not, I didn't bust out my super Nintendo. Although I, sh- now I re- kind of regret not doing that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, sitting they, right here, you know. I'm, I'm looking at it right now <laughs> and the game's there. I just, what am I doing? I mean, Nintendo wants your money and you feel like you have to play it on the Switch now because yeah. you hate your Switch and, online. So. And I, w- I would say that coming back to it, I, I still like this game. It is not a top tier Mario game for me personally. And I, it might be my history with it because my history with the likes of Super Mario World is far more extensive. Uh, I mean, I do have a history. It's not like I played this game once and never touched it again. Um. I just, I, it's not, and then again, it's not hard to go back to. It's just, this game was always fun, but if I wanted a fix, I just would always go to Mario World. I, w- I just w- would not come back. And like Mario World have played dozens and dozens of times. This probably maybe a dozen times, or a li- actually probably a little bit more than that, maybe 20 times, but just, it was never the one that I wanted to come back to. And it's, I don't say that as like a knock on the game. It just is some games just have a flavor you like, and this wasn't the one I craved, you know, it wasn't the one I always wanted to come back to. Like I was just couldn't wait to play it again. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about jumping into franchises um, and kind of playing them out of their published order, which, you know, isn't anyone's fault. And it's not necessarily a bad thing at all. It's just going to create different impressions. Um, Like, for example, if you played Pokemon, you know, Diamond and Pearl on the DS, and then from there you jump back to Pokemon Red, Green and Yellow, you're going to be like, this game is good. You know, it's Pokemon for sure. But you know, probably if you're going to jump back into one of those two, it would be like Diamond and Pearl because there was yeah. more going on. It might have been because I didn't ha- this didn't really have a lot of time to sit and digest because like I know the first time I played it, you know, again, didn't beat it. But then I sure I played Super Mario World very soon after that. And I think at that point, it was kind of like I would seldom go back to this one when I had Super Mario World to play instead. Yeah, yeah. So kind of my history on this is uh, when me and my brothers were kids, uh, the only consoles we had were Genesis, which I believe we got as a gift um, with the Sonic games. Um, And also an NES that we pooled our money together for and bought from Funko Land, if you remember Funko Land. Oh, yeah. Um, Yes. And so uh, we had 
all the Mario games, one, two, and three. We had Mega Man, two and three. Uh, we had Platoon, oddly. There was a Platoon <laughs> NES game, which hopefully one day we will cover. Uh, and several other random NES games. Ice Hockey, which to this day remains one of my favorite multiplayer games. Oh my games. gosh, I forgot about that Ice, game. Ice Hockey on NES is wow. maybe one of the greatest party games in existence. That's a fun people. game. It's a very fun game. But uh, having just the NES and the Genesis and not a ton of games, my brothers and I, uh, we would frequently play uh, this game, especially. We wouldn't re- really play Mario 1. Um, we kind of just toyed around with Mario 2 because it's very strange compared to the other Mario games. This is the Mario game we played most frequently. Um, I know for a fact that my brothers and I must have played it to completion many, many times, but I didn't personally play it until completion, probably until one of the re- releases probably the gba version okay uh, you know this was absolutely a training ground for me as a kid for three or, i'm sorry not 3d platformers 2d platformers this was the kind of game where again i would just kind of jump in when i wanted to play the levels are very uh, you know bite-sized i would kind of run into trouble you know world three four five six but one of the things about this game that i think is very cool is that you can kind of each world ramps up the difficulty and it's almost yeah. a barometer for your skill as a player. Um, so, you know, I remember being younger and really not having much experience and really only being able to get past World 2. Um, and then, you know, the day I played and I got past World 4 uh, without using the whistle, that was really exciting. Yeah. So I, I have replayed this game many, many times. Um, kind of, again, the opposite of you. If I'm going to return to a Mario game, I, it's this one that I return to for mm-hmm. a kind of simple retro Mario game. I've only played Super Mario World maybe five, six, seven times to completion. Okay. Um, most of those times to completion were playing co-op with people. Hmm. Again, I it's kind of the, like the opposite of you. I think Super Mario World is amazing. I think it's a great game in its own right. There's a lot to love about it. But I think it's just the order that I that they hit me. Um, yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3 hit me first. <clears throat> World hit me after, a couple of years after. Um, and I think really that's the only reason. You know, it's it's... It's actually a little surprising to me how close Mario World actually is to this game. And that's the reminder I kind of get every time I replay this. It's, I mean, Mario World obviously makes some big leaps, some big advancements. And I would say, honestly, one of the biggest parts of it is just the length of the levels and maybe a little bit of like the level aesthetic variety. Well, and the, the complexity of the world map compared to this one. This is a very simple world map. Right. And, and I, I mean, I, I guess I'm even I'm mainly just referring to kind of like just a, not not even that just just getting into the levels and playing through. And like, obviously, there's a lot of depth to Mario World, but these the games do feel kind of close. I think the most glaring dissimilarity is like the length of the levels, really. Like it's, it's the night and day. Mario World's levels are just so much bigger, it seems, yeah. like triple in size at least of most of these uh, Super Mario Brothers 3 levels. Um, but I, but I, love, I love that you, for one, I'm, I'm just glad we're doing this game uh, because I like being kind of forced is, an, is a dramatic word, but just like to confront, especially like games of, of my past that I maybe felt or feel now, or just kind of like, I have like this almost guilt of like, did I give this game its proper due? No matter how many times I played it, did I appreciate it enough? And sometimes the answer is just like, it's just still not my favorite. Um, But I, I like doing that, especially in contrast to talking to someone like you about it, who has such a deep, like kind of personal history with this game. It just, it's much better than if it were to just be two of me talking about 
how we're like, yeah, Mario three is good, but it's not like a plus tier, like some of the others. Two of you. Have you gone to see Nikola Tesla? How would there be a conversation with James and James? For anyone who's going to be joining us next week when we do our next episode, that that's the second prestige <laughs> reference uh, that you're going to get in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> um, which we're going to do. I see what you mean, though. I think the older I get, the more I'm able to separate uh, my like for something that is based on nostalgia versus based on kind of what it presents to me on its own terms. Right. Um, I think when I was younger, and I think this is true of most people, when you're younger, your nostalgia or your personal feelings for something get so commingled with any criticisms of the game, good or bad, or anything, you know, game, film, any piece of art. Whereas now I can have some detachment um, and I can recognize, like, I just really love this game from a st- nostalgic place, but I agree with you, um, especially looking back at it this time with a sort of fresh eyes. I do see some of the imperfections. I do see some of the cracks in it. Um, but, you know, I, I'm just I'm always going to love it. It's still a great game, yeah. like you said. Um, Nothing is ever going to take that away. Yeah. And like in, in any kind of objective, like, you know, graphical or gameplay type flaw is actually not even really what I hold against this game, if I were to hold anything against it, I think sometimes it, w- it would probably just be maybe a little bit of the pacing or just the, the, I don't know. It, it's not even that again, this game, this is an outstanding game and, a, and an unqualified recommendation for both of us. I, I think just think Mario world two, I just, or Mario world. I just find I, that's just the one I always think about when I think about what is 2d Mario and that's, that's it. I think you just accidentally announced one of Nintendo's upcoming titles, Super Mario World 2. <laughs> no, I'm not even kidding. Can you imagine if they did that, how like everyone would lose their minds? It would be great. I mean, yeah. they technically already named Yoshi's Island Super Mario World 2. Oh, whatever. whatever. I, I mean, we'll forget about that. Uh, you, speaking of art, really quick, and I meant to mention this when we talked about critical reception, just because I don't know where it's most appropriate. The box art of this game. Oh, is yeah. iconic. Oh, yeah. And it is it is one of the most perfect examples of just simplicity in box art. It, it, it's 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 iconic. It's been it's been redone to death. I mean, you we, we there's a Dark Souls shirt that has that mimics the you know the cover of this game. This is as long as there are people who love games, and there always will be the the imagery from this game will never die. Even when there are generations of people and kids who have ne- who will never experience this game, they won't realize that they're seeing this game's influence all around them. Long after the wa- long after the water wars have been fought and we're, <laughs> we're living in caves, children will know <laughs> the cover of Super Mario Brothers Three. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right. It's very ubiquitous. We can kind of talk about the art direction here in general. Yeah, It's got a very bright, bubbly Saturday morning cartoon look. Like if you look at the concept art that I was able to look at quite a bit of because you very generously uh, gave me the Super Mario Encyclopedia uh, for my birthday a couple of years ago. So I, I got to look at a lot of the art um, and it's it's beautiful um, and it's got that Saturday morning cartoon vibe. Um, the only thing is, uh, if I were to knock this game a little bit, is the pixel art is is definitely beautiful and is definitely um, pushing the NES. Mm-hmm. But um, it just it doesn't capture kind of the like yeah. the bubbliness, the goofiness, the kind of creativity of the concept art. I think later Mario games kind of do that much better because the technology is there. Um, I really wish if they did a kind of yet another rematch. Mm-hmm 
master of this game um, to kind of bring it up to speed with technology now, I think it would be adorable to see this version of Mario um, kind of captured in the gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to tell us about? I don't even know yeah. if it's a conspiracy theory. It's not. No, it? no, it's not. I mean, Miyamoto himself said, like, you know, he kind of envisioned this game as a stage play, and that's. I mean, the 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 opening credits of the game. I guess you know the the. I think the letters come hanging down. This stage curtain opens, and it says Super Mario Brothers three. And I never really thought much about that at all until I was like in college, maybe, and it blew my mind. The first time thinking like I was always wondering, like, why the end of every single level is does it just like suddenly cut? It's just black. You know, there's there's yeah. just like it goes yeah. from just like bright sky to, to black and then you exit the level. And then I read it's like, oh, because that's Mario walking off stage. And I was like, oh, shit. And they're called <laughs> stages. Yeah. <laughs> it's just what? How did it take me that long? I, yeah, I also, I, in college, I think I was reading like some IGN article or something and they're like, oh, like secrets, you never noticed. And this is one of them. And it similarly blew my mind, but it's all there if you pay attention. And strangely, uh, I think this being the story, like the plot. So, I mean, the plot is that Bowser has kidnapped the kings of various lands this time, you know. Uh, it's not just Peach. She's kidnapped all these kings. Um, and Who are never and, seen again in any other Mario Who game. are never seen again. They're kind of like the Sprixies in mm. Super Mario whatever. 3D, 3D World? 3D Land? I don't know. Whatever. Um, but yeah, they're <laughs> like that. Um, but uh, yeah, it actually gives context for why there would be floating platforms in a 2D platformer. Because those platforms would be presumably like part of the backdrop. Yeah. Um, which like has never really been attempted in a 2D platformer to kind of contextualize why there are just these floating platforms in midair. And this explains it. Yeah. Um, so I kind of love it. Um, yeah. But new, new, I mean, again, the plot is a Mario game. It's not super uh, extensive. However, they do introduce a lot of new characters and new elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story in this game introduces the Koopalings. Tell us about the, who the Koopalings are. And when we're saying Koopalings, I'm assuming we're talking about the usual guys like Larry, yes. uh, Morton, yes. Iggy, or Izzy, Wendy. I don't remember the rest of their names. There's an Iggy and an Izzy. Oh, okay. Okay. So yeah. I'm not. Okay. Cool. Glad I. And, and that was one of those things where, like. Wait, and, no, there's not. I lied. Is there not? It's Iggy. There is no Izzy. It's Iggy. Oh, Sorry. okay. Well, Go then. On. God. I'm so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. Um, Sorry. Uh, and these are characters that appeared. I mean, they appeared in Super Mario World, which is often some t- people's first exposure to them. Um, surprisingly, don't appear that much in other Mario games, unless I'm just missing something. I know, like the Mario, the newest Mario Kart you could play is like half the, or maybe all of them. Um. But yeah, I mean, the Koopalings are probably the biggest ones, right? These are Bowser's illegitimate children. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, seemingly, I guess. But then there's uh, Bowser Jr., which I just like imagine is just like this his son that he had with his like real wife. And then all of the Koopalings or, are just his like his side pieces. I mean, or with Peach, though, based on what how Bowser Jr. reacts in Sunshine. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that way. Uh, that was just Bowser trying to like motivate Bowser Jr. Just like gaslighting uh, him or something. Or not gaslighting, uh, but just I like, I, 
I don't think that Bowser and, and Peach no. Go go write a fan fiction about it. She gets kidnapped pretty easily. No. <laughs> anyway, besides it's the Koopalings, written already. I don't need to do that. That's true. Besides the Koopalings, um, there are a bunch, bunch, bunch of new enemies, new enemy uh, characters in the levels. I won't go over all of them, um, but yeah, lots of new new people popping up. Yeah. Um, and then, like we said, the kings of these various lands who never show up again, but uh, in a very cute way, they show up as both an animal form, which the Koopalings turn them into, and then you get to see what they look like as humans. Yep. And so every every world, you're you're saving one of the kings. Yes. And defeating one of the Koopalings. Yes. Convenient and, um, that they're the same number of... Uh, it's, you know, Bowser had a plan. He was and, like, I got I to gotta father seven children to yes. take out these seven kings. Yeah. Um, Toad continues to grow in prominence. I just had that as a note here. Uh, Toad it is notably a playable character in Super Mario Brothers 2. Um, however, here his character continues to be um, a staple. He is in charge of the Toad houses. He gives you special items, things like that. Um, so Toad steps it up here in a way that he had not in previous games and would continue to be a character. Um, and and not that I care about Toad. Becoming. I actually, I kind of find Toad a little charming. That's why yeah. I put a note in about him. I, I like Toad. I think his little, wah! Like once he gets voiced, I think Toad is next level. He's great. Uh, but I, I don't mind him silent. And he's always, he's very helpful. He's a helpful. I mean, he doesn't really do a whole lot of Mario 64. He kind of just shows up, gives you a star every once in a while. It's almost like, in Mario 64, they're trying to like, if you don't like Toad, they're punishing you because like maybe you won't <laughs> talk to him. Because as a kid, I did not talk to Toad. I remember I talked to one of them and it's like, oh, he just tells me a bunch of shit. I already know. Cool. Never talking to him again. And then I remember being like near the end of the game, like, I don't know where the rest of the stars are. And then I, and then my buddy's like, you got to talk to Toad. I'm like I did. That asshole didn't tell me anything. <laughs> He's I like, just oh, got to talk to all the Toads. Even as a kid, when I talked to him and he goes like, wow. <laughs> or whatever he says i'm like i want to i you're my guy I that is funny yeah yeah i like the sound uh, of beating his ass off the court in mario at the, the course in mario kart and i that hit is him as, as, as wario that is fun toad sounds of pain are like my white noise yeah that's true um anyway. yeah but you ignore white noise it should be like your um your moans of guttural pleasure of the <laughs> you're flesh right. you're right yeah, yeah. So this game has been re-released several times, yep. um, as you mentioned, kind of um, on most available formats. Uh, it was released on the Super Mario All-Stars collection on SNES, which collected Mario Brothers 1, The Lost Levels, Mario Brothers 2, and this game. Anything else? No, I think that's collection? it. Yeah. Um, for the Super Nintendo, and it, it gave the games uh, like a visual upgrade, essentially. Um, and this is the first remaster that nintendo has done question mark hmm right maybe it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if they did some random one of some random portion of their ip that i just no one remembers like this is their first significant one absolutely their first mario one yeah um so there's that version um that is the version i played uh i find it very charming that the backgrounds are all kind of fleshed out yeah i I like that a lot i'm glad that i gave that one a shot i mean i guess i I, it didn't hit me until halfway through this i was like oh i played the game boy advance one which is like the same thing so basically so like i I first i've thought maybe i was giving myself a completely new experience and i'm glad i did it because i i I had never done the all-stars one but it wasn't really any different than the game boy advance one yeah the game boy advance one is like all the assets are like the background assets look the same it's just shrunken to fit the gba screen yeah um however this port while i have not played it 
Um, from what I read, um, it does not suffer from screen crunch in a lot of ways yes. that other uh, ports of 2D side-scrolling games. Uh, from the mo- yeah, the GBA game. version was the version I played by far the most. Yeah, and it's it's from what I read, it is a good version. Um, also, it's very confusingly named. Um, yeah. It's Super Mario Advance 4 colon Super Mario Brothers 3, which yep. I find very funny. I don't I don't know. Um, I don't I don't get it. But uh yeah, it's a it's a good port. It's a very good port from yep. all things that I hear. Um, as well as that, um, we have the um the eShop port, um, which is a more just a more direct port. Um, and then the NES SNES Nintendo Online, which is again the, the way I played here. So yep. if you want this game, you can play it uh, many legal ways. We also didn't mention emulation, uh, which you could very easily illegally. We don't usually mention we're both not we're not PC boys. No, we're not PC boys. Um you know, J Daddy, your dad, uh has dabbled <laughs> his Jay Daddy has set, da- dipped his toes in PC emulation. Is that, that is correct? true. That yeah. that is very true. Um, so uh, yeah, if the FBI is uh, looking for him, I can just give his address. Uh, anyway, um, tell yeah, tell us about gameplay. Let's get in the gameplay. So this is a Mario game. So you're running and you're jumping, um, usually from left to right. Um, and this is and this is one thing that I didn't think about into until replaying this game this time. And I was thrilled to see that you had it as a, a bullet point in the outline that this was the first time Mario used auto scrolling. And I don't know why I could have sworn that it existed in like even Mario brothers two or something. I don't know why I thought that it was in the original game, but yeah, auto scrolling. Um, and what that means is the course uh, advances kind of the frame of the course moves you it basically pushes you you don't you're not in control of how of when you're moving to the right and you can make it go faster but if it's like if you stood still you're just going to get pushed towards the right side of the screen and very often mario utilizes this in a very very high ops quantity of obstacle like obstacles like kind of arrangements like it's 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 not very often it's like levels where there's like floating platforms um, where you don't have, they don't want you to have time to think and time your next jump. You don't, they don't want you to have it all, you know, all the time in the world to, to, to master the level. They want to force you to see how quickly you can move through the level. Now it's not moving at breakneck speed, but there's very often, I would say the auto scrolling kind of it's on more challenging levels. And it's not just because there's auto scrolling just platforming wise. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I would also say that auto scrolling used in other games poorly, or rather it can be used very poorly and be very annoying in other games. If the pace is too fast, if there's too many obstacles in your way, this can, this is a tool that can be, you know, turn against the player very easily. I think for the most part in this game and in Mario in general, it's used to heighten the tension of the level. um, Very, correctly like i think auto scrolling in mario games is more often than not um done well yes and, and it's it kind of gaming evolution and i, I love i'd love to know specifically kind of like the whole history of methods of auto scrolling just giving the course the control like you know the level inherent has its own kind of pace control and doesn't leave it up to you but like now in modern games you'll see that in the form of like there's lava that's chasing you and you can't go backwards Right. And you need to constantly move and escape the lava, you know? Um, it, yeah. It'd be really interesting to see like 
the evolution of auto scrolling. You should yeah. write a book. <laughs> you heard it here first. Patent yeah. Bending. Yeah. Uh, can't patent a book. Uh, just saying that, right? <laughs> what talk- are you, a lawyer? You're talking to an intellectual property attorney. I'm just going to ah. get that out there for the rest of the world right now. You cannot patent a book. <laughs> Not yet. No. No, never. I mean, listen, I guess with you, this, okay, listen, you, you can pat. You can't patent a creative work. You can, uh, you can patent, like if you wanted to co- come up with some brand new form of a book, like uh, a new type of binding, um, or a new like I don't know that kind of stuff. You could patent, but I can't write a book and and say, oh, this is patented now. Listen, listen. With the Supreme Court the way it is, you know who's who even knows what laws could could fly under the radar. They're taking away my right to patent whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, and, and so this is a Mario game. Um, so there are boss fights, and I guess I shouldn't say that because there are not always frequent boss fights in well the original Mario game, right? Um, yeah. So this is classic Mario, right? If there's a boss, you got to hit them three times on a head. And they die or a weak spot. Um, and, you know, obviously they don't just give you the same kind of like milk toast, like arena to fight bosses. And there's obviously going to be new challenges. And it's funny because you always think that like the boss is going to like, oh, this is super easy. And then suddenly they do this big leap and they slam down on you or they start flying and or dart at you. And you're like, oh, shit. Out, like it's weird bouncy circles. Or, yeah. yeah. Would you... I, I'm uh, there's another topic for a book or like the evolution of boss fights and like how many times you have to hit them. Cause I think there was a certain point in my young life when I would play a boss and I, there was like in a platforming game, maybe even a Mario game. And you had to hit that boss more than three times. And actually it was, I think it was just, it was super Mario world. I, oh. the, the Bowser fight. I don't think you, I think it's more, much more than three times. Um, and it's like, what, what, there's I think, more. <laughs> I think three times on the head was just good, like video game shorthand. Um, but I think as games evolved, like they kind of left that behind. Yeah. Um, to uh, some degree, but who knows? Yeah. And so naturally, you know, there's you're gonna there's gonna be increasing difficulty circumstances around, you know, the arenas in which you know you're meant to accomplish that goal of hitting the boss three times. Yeah, but again, compared to like anything modern day, these are very simple. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, we should. Uh, so you want to talk about like the world map and I guess maybe the secrets that go along with it. That seems like a good kind of pairing. Right. And we can <laughs> use that to segue into the actual discussion of the worlds of the game. Yeah. So if we're talking about gameplay in general, this would also be a good time to talk about secrets. This game has a lot of secrets in it. Um, a lot of hidden areas, hidden items, the ability to move between areas, um, I have been playing this game for, you know, 25 years. Um, and I still am only familiar with, you know, like a decent handful of secrets. Um, I know there are more than I, uh, than, than I am aware of. But for the first time ever, uh, kind of a la Super Mario World, um, there are bespoke areas and there is a world map for each world you find yourself in. Um, and each world has its own theming. Um, in terms of aesthetic, uh, it typically also has its own theming in terms of gameplay. Usually a new world will introduce a new power up, um, a new gameplay element or like a level style, a new enemy, 
um, or that many new enemies. Um, and oftentimes it'll introduce all three of these elements or, you know, some combination of those elements as the yeah. game goes on. Also, typically worlds tend to increase in difficulty world by world um, as you go along. So, um, you know, world two is kind of just <laughs> objectively easier than world three, which is objectively easier than world four, et cetera, et cetera. Um, however, even though the gameplay does get more difficult on every world map, there are um, things to help you, including toad houses, um, which through games of chance, uh, you can earn levels or power-ups, um, different things like that. Um, also, through these secrets, you are able to circumvent linear progression. Um, so, for example, there are certain levels with white platforms. Um, if you jump on those white platforms and hold down on them for, I think, five seconds, Mario yeah. will slip through the stage geometry and run kind of behind parts of the backdrop. Again, if we're thinking of this like a play and find himself in different areas where you can find things like whistles. Um, tell us what whistles do, James. So the warp whistle is incredible, an incredible mechanic. Uh, it lets you skip levels i mean now, now the original mario i mean nintendo's no this isn't like secrets are new for nintendo no, i mean the, no. the original mario definitely had secrets in it and the ability to warp to other worlds so in this game they have kind of created like warp island basically um yeah. that the warp whistle will transport you to now you can't warp from any one world like if you use the warp whistle on certain worlds you can't necessarily go to any world you want you, they're kind of like limited in which ones you can go to. They're split in two sets. Yes. Right? So it's yes. the beginning worlds and the and you know the last half worlds. Yeah. Um, and interestingly, the warp whistle song. I don't oh, wait. No, it's a, it's a song from Zelda. That's our. That's, da, 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 da. Yeah, it's um. Oh my gosh, what what the heck is that song? I mean, it's from Zelda. I just I just can't remember what what um it, it is yeah is, is it the song of the windfish no 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 it's not but i anyway um yeah warp whistles um one of the things that i did not know anything about uh in my first couple times playing the game probably heard it from someone at recess and i was like what <laughs> uh i honestly don't think i encountered it so well okay now might be a good time for me to tell you this complete just hilarious disaster that I had with this game. Before we get to your disaster, I just re in real time found out that the whistle tone is the same whistle tone from the whistle item in the original Legend of Zelda. Oh, but they yes. so they reuse that they reuse that little like motif though. Um, yes. I, I know it appears in Ocarina of Time. I just yeah can't yeah. Where. But that but you are right that it is definitely a Zelda uh, specific tone. But yes. go on, tell us about your disaster. And this all right, let's let's this is a good segue also into we should maybe we should talk about power ups before we talk about the worlds. Do you, yeah. So yeah. this game, um, the previous power ups had been the Fire Flower, um, and that's pretty much it. Does Super Mario Brothers two? And the star, yes, the invincibility star. Um, there are so many more power-ups here. Again, this game really kind of set the foundation for lots and lots of power-ups in a Mario game, um, which is something that they've continued even until today. Yeah, we have, and some of these are my absolute favorite power-ups in the entire series. And there are maybe more power-ups in this game than any other Mario game, in a, yeah, possibly. That's true. Unless you maybe count 
odyssey and how many things you can turn into with the hat and there still might be more power-ups in this game yeah that would be a good comparison yeah I, I think odyssey is a good comparison just in terms of um how the game lets you modulate play um yeah. in its power-ups here it's you know using the hat in odyssey but it's essentially the same idea but i guess in odyssey they're you're contained in the environment in which you can use those power-ups and like turn into certain things here you can as long as once you get them you can pretty much use them whenever you that's want a good, that's a good point because that is not always true of mario games some mario games um like mario galaxy for example um powers are contained to those worlds you can't bring them with you um so yeah that is a difference too in this game power up stay with you um but so just to list some of them we have the frog suit one of my personal favorites frog suit mario's just a cute adorable little frog with his face sticking out um, and in water levels, you swim very strongly. You can swim in uh, all four directions and you can swim into strong currents. Uh, I do not like I, the frog suit. I love the frog suits just because of how it looks and how it plays in water levels. It is absolutely useless the, if you're on yeah. dry land. Um, and, and that's why I don't like it, I guess. <laughs> e- well, even even the uh, the level that the world you get in in world three, which is primarily a water world, it still has a fair number of land levels yeah. so or areas where you're on land. So the frog suit actually <laughs> isn't that helpful. I just like it. Yeah. Um, you have the raccoon suit uh, where Mario gets a little raccoon tail and raccoon ears um, when he runs fast enough. He builds up momentum, and once you hear the little trill on the little P symbol, Mario is able to fly um, with the raccoon suit a little bit. Um, you have the P-wing, which is a variation of the raccoon suit that just lets you fly at OP. all times. OP. It is OP. Also, the raccoon suit, you can use his tail to hit enemies and yeah. blocks. I love that they gave you the P-wing. They don't, there's not many P-wings you can get in, in a single run, and obviously it lets you kind of abuse it to, to bypass certain levels. Um, but it's just, it's really interesting. It, it's, I love that they get, there's like, here's a super pow- powerful weapon. We know it's a game breaker. Um, so you guys, you just choose when you want to use it. And that's the thing that I think makes this game so approachable for like, you know, players of all ability levels. You can get to some of these more difficult worlds. And like when I was a kid, when I was, you know, five world six would kill me the ice world, but you know, I could use like a P wing to skip a level. I could use um, like a hammer to break a rock to skip half the world. I could Mm -hmm. use the, the, uh, the whistle to skip difficult worlds. Like there's ways of modulating the difficulty as well through these items that I think is really cool. Um, akin to the raccoon suit is the Tanuki suit. Um, the difference with the Tanuki suit is that instead of fly, or can Mario fly with the Tanuki suit, or is it only the statue? Ah, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't remember. But I don't the Tanuki know. suit looks very similar, or the Tanuki suit. He's like kind of a full teddy bear um, instead of just having um, the tail like the raccoon suit. Um, the the Tanuki suit, the bear suit. Also, Mario can transform into a stone Buddhist statue with like it's a little... very very weird looking. Yeah, and it'll crush enemies and kind <laughs> of render Mario both immobile but also immune to harm. Yeah. Um, so the Tanuki suit is very situational but kind of adorable. Yeah. Um, you have and, the sh- go on. The sh- I was just about to say the shoe is <laughs> maybe my favorite in the whole game. <laughs> The shoe is very fun, and Super Mario Maker 2 includes the high-heeled shoe, Stiletto, also very fun. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I love the shoes. Tell us about the shoes. I, I mean, you just, you can, you cannot be killed from below. 
it's impossible. It's like, a, it's like a, you're impervious to damage from underneath you and you can just like jump really high and jump on any and kill like any enemy from above. Is that, that's accurate. That's accurate. And um, you can jump on things like the, you know, like the plants that hop up to try and eat you. You can jump on spikes. You can jump on yeah, I love pretty it. much anything. Yeah. And there's also kind of like the P wing, not actually, no, there's, you can only get the shoe in the fifth world, I think. Yeah, and you can only get it from enemies. Yes, that's right. Yes. That's right. So you also have um, different items to use on the overworld. So you have the anchor, which keeps um, flying random flying ships in place, so they will not move around on the map. Um, you have the hammer, uh, which will break locked areas and rocks to move around different areas of the world map. You have like locked doors, things like that. You have music boxes, which puts random wandering enemies on the world map to sleep. Um, within levels, you have things like the rideable clouds, um, which comes from uh, like lackey two enemies that throw spiky uh, Koopas. Yep. Um, you have uh, music blocks, which are kind of bouncy blocks that are new to Mario. You have ma magic music blocks, which, which will bounce you up into these sky areas with um, coins and power-ups that didn't exist in previous games um gosh what else there oh you have the hammer bros suit which turns you into a hammer bro um and you throw little hammers you have special silver coin areas um in different parts of the levels you have p buttons and p blocks which turn coins into blocks and blocks into coins just so many so many things that became staples for mario well what's up here What's interesting is that the whole idea, so the, the idea of having weapon like um, items like the hammer, the anchor and keys and such that you could use on the overworld to unlock and kind of manipulate the overworld. Like the idea of like going up to the top right corner, I think if it's like world two or three and using the hammer to knock down like a tree and then there's a whole other part of the world, right? Yes. Um, mind blowing. And I and they don't really use that again in Mario games, do they? Yeah, well, the other thing that they start here that they use in Mario games that I think they could really expand upon is branching paths. Yeah. So not always, but there will sometimes be little corners on the maps or little areas and paths that um, you don't have to follow. Like the critical path to get to the castle, you know, doesn't involve this level. So you could potentially skip levels as well, which happens in other mario games do you ever skip levels though uh in yes i do um so i actually played this game twice in for the for this i forgot to mention that earlier so i i played it where for, like in preparation for the show played it twice i played every level and then i did another where i got the warp whistle from like the second or third world i think and then i warped straight to world like seven and then went from there Okay. Yeah. I, but you know, I, 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 it depends. I mean, I, I obviously I, I will skip levels when I was learning about the warp whistles and just trying to be like, Oh, I'll just go from world one to, you know, world eight, you know, why not? Um, um just to yeah. try it out. But you know, I mean, I, I, I generally, this is a very enjoyable game and I don't, the answer is no, I don't usually skip levels. Right. And I mean, I think what you're saying makes sense. And I did the same mm -hmm. thing when I was a kid, especially with the warp whistle. But I think when you're just generally playing through a Mario game, like imagine Super Mario 3D World, which does this too, where it'll create like a little branching path. And, you know, you have a level or two to the left and a level or two to the right. And then the path kind of meets up again. If you're playing through the game the first time, are you like, oh, I'm so glad I, I'm only going to do the left path. 
Yeah. Right. Like, do you ever do that? <laughs> oh, no, never. No. Right. You want to see what the other levels are. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. I'd like to meet the gamer that, you know, is a seasoned Mario player, but on new Mario games, they're like, oh, yeah, I only ever do the one path. I, I, I can't imagine someone being like a diehard, like Mario is fun. I love Mario, like kind of fan and doing that. It's like someone who's like disgruntled. There's someone just like, yeah. dude, you got to play Mario <laughs> three. They're like, fuck, fine, I guess. It's, it's like a very weird, like uh venn diagram of like (laughs) of kind of people they like get a warp whistle and they use it they're like oh yes yeah they like goodness they play mario 3 for the first time and they just jump to world 8 with two (laughs) whistles and they're like great game i loved it yeah (laughs) it's like like two through seven yeah um should we start talking about the world well let me let me tell you my blunder first oh please yes (laughs) i the first time i played this game did not know that you like could use the what things you were picking up. <laughs> I had no idea. No. I had no idea. I saw them on the bottom of my screen because I'm not blind. I'm just stupid. <laughs> I saw that you like I and I never. I, I'm telling you, Aaron. I never hit the button <gasps> that lets you use those items. And Wasn't if I that- did, I didn't realize I was doing it. Wasn't like, that like torturous to you as a kid, though, seeing all these like cool items you get, like seeing the Hammer Bros soup? I didn't know how it factored it. in and I never asked anybody. Uh, I, and, and I also, so I didn't beat the game without knowing that. But like when I was first, first playing this game, I I didn't know. I had no idea. That's uh, I was just like, well, they're going to come into play at some point, And then they never did. And then eventually when I beat the game for the first for the first time, I I, I knew or someone told me, or I just hit the button. But I actually think I had this like weird, maybe not repressed memory, but like, I think I might've actually, there was, there was a moment where I, I I did it accidentally and I didn't know what I was doing. And I'm like, why am I starting the level with the star? That's weird. Oh, this game's cool. It's just randomly throws shit like that at you. Like I didn't, it didn't connect for me. I mean, I I probably would have been in the same boat with you. Uh, The only reason I knew about that, I'm sure, was because I played with my older brothers who Mm -hmm. probably probably read the Mm -hmm. manual and the manual probably explained it. But that is that is also significant to know. You can collect items that you can kind of use as you see fit to give yourself power ups. However, you can only use them on the world map. Other Mario games like the one I mean, even. In Super Mario World, which came after this, you can um, use items within the level. Um, however, uh, in this game, you cannot. Yeah. But like you said, you can pile up, especially if you hit all the toad houses, especially if you play all the matching games, all those things. You can kind of have a horde of power ups available to you at any given time. So the idea that poor little James was running around with probably like a maxed out inventory of yep. like cool usable items and you just never did it. There, there's something like weirdly consistent with the rest of my gaming life with that. There's, there's like a somewhat similar theme in that. And I don't know about you. And I think we probably talked about this before that like some RPGs, I will just hoard items. Oh, and I will JR- never use if in, J- in JRPGs, if I'm using an elixir, it's because there's a gun to my head. But there's like, also, but there's yeah. also moments in in like in Kingdom Hearts. The first time I played Kingdom Hearts, I got, you know, Kingdom Hearts, right? Oh, yeah. that, that I've, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I did not like there was those permanent stat up weapon items. Didn't oh, yeah. know what they did, and I never used them. <laughs> James, 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 buddy. 
No. Uh, for me, for me, it's like if there's anything above like a high potion and a JRPG, um, you have to have my family's life on the line for <laughs> me to be willing to use that item. Me too. And and eventually, like I honestly think it might have changed for me a little bit in the last like just three years. I think I maybe actually fucking use those items now just because i'm like why well, no i'm not gonna it just use always them. like eats me alive inside though. It, it's weird it's so weird I'm like what if i need them for yeah. later um and then I, I have a similar uh bloodborne related thing where i just didn't you know didn't use uh the blood uh cold bloods that i was picking up i was selling them instead <sighs> so that, that's what you had, oh, i know it's infuriating God, what a way i know <laughs> I just every once in a while there'll be a game that where I have this kind of just inexplicable like blunder but then there are the other games where I'm like so fluent in them and I'm like oh you don't know this one mechanic this is crazy fucking secret and or like that like I'll master games and just know them inside and out and then I'll just have these just complete idiot moments where I I I I don't know to to jump into a little bit what we've been doing just as it connects is I am playing Fallout 4 kind of very for the second time, like second serious sit down attempt at it. And I'm finding it much more satisfying this time because I think in previous Bethesda games, uh, I don't know that the crafting system is as solid as it is here. Mm-hmm. But in Fallout 4, basically everything you pick up is useful, no matter what it is, like a fork, That's a, great. a broken lamp, uh, like everything. And the first time I played the game, I really b- bumped my head against it because I was like, I'm not making progress. I can't um, upgrade anything. You know, I-, I feel powerless. I hate this game. Playing through this time, I actually, you know, like read the manual and did my homework and like kind of tried to figure <laughs> out how the mechanics work. And it's like, oh, this isn't like other Bethesda games. Like literally everything is necessary for crafting. Pick up everything. Yeah. Um, and that has kind of completely <clears throat> changed my my playthrough and completely unlocked the game for me. So yeah, it's weird how if you're missing like one little piece of gameplay, it can completely, you know, color your impression yeah. of the game. Um, should, should we, we talk about these worlds? Yeah, let's, let's get through these worlds. And I think that will probably kind of cover everything for the game. Um, Get, yeah, get the segments. The caveat is that you know we're not going to talk about individual levels because a lot of them are bite-sized. A lot of them are centered around kind of like just one idea. We'll talk about the worlds generally, their aesthetic, their style, um, and then if there's anything brand new that kind of comes out, um, yeah, to notice. So world one is called Grassland, um, which is what it looks like. It's aesthetically, you know, basic grassy uh, Mario first kind of world area. The hills have eyes and are kind of, you know, swaying and dancing in the background, um, which is very adorable, which actually is the first, I think the first time it happened in Mario and that gets carried over into Mm -hmm. other uh, Mario games. So um, it's a lot of beginner levels. It's a lot of, you know, getting the idea that you're going from left to right, um, that you're occasionally picking up power-ups to change your abilities. Um, pretty much only in this world, the fire flower and the raccoon suit. Um, the first level right away kind of um, hammers you over the head with the raccoon suit, with the raccoon leaf, um, and kind of gives you the opportunity to explore its powers, like the ability to fly, the ability to hit blocks, um, kind of from the get-go. Um, this map kind of introduces the idea of em- em- enemy skirmishes. You have hammer bros wandering around the world. Um, it also introduces toad houses and branching paths. Those show up for the first time here. Um, there's only one underground level um, in this world, no water level, and only one fortress. Fortresses are kind of midway levels um, that feature um, Boom Boom as the boss every time. Boom Boom is kind of the generic Koopaling. Um, yep. that's, he's, and he also shows up in later Mario games. 
Um, but yeah, that's pretty much world one. The king in this world is the turban slash beard king. Uh, the kings are not given names. <laughs> turban so I beard gave them king. descriptions. Yeah. Um, and uh, Larry is the Koopaling that you face in world one. Larry Koopa. Um, there's really not much to him. He uh, kind of has a ball that he will roll around on. Um, but same basic idea. You hit him three times. He's dead. Yep. Um, things world- kind of yeah. Go ahead, tell us about World Two. Things kind of get a little bit uh, hairier in World Two. Yeah, World. So World Two introduces the angry son, who is a son of a bitch. Oh yeah. Uh, died a lot to the son uh, as a kid, uh, and even that could be a frustrating uh, platforming challenge. Well, tell us why. Oh. What What does the angry son do? Just follows you everywhere. It just like tries to ram you. Yeah, he kind of, he's just real pissed off. Yeah. Um, as you're running through the level, he kind of dips down low and tries to swoop and nail you. And the the timing of like slowing down and jumping over him, and it's pretty tricky. As an adult, I'm pretty fine with it. But as a child, it, it, it yeah, as you said, it killed me many, many times. Yeah. So, I mean, World 2 really kind of varies things up aesthetically. There's, there's, there's a kind of a blend of water levels, sky levels, just classic like ground levels. The ground levels, obviously the theme's different. There's like, you know, pyramid levels and things like that. Chain chomps appear in this for the first time. Um, and honestly, probably the most notable notable thing about this, other than that son of a bitch uh, star or son, is the world map. It, it it kind of goes, it extends two screens. Yes. Um. So you're kind of getting a better appreciation for the scale of this, and it is remember being very exciting to see for the first time. Being like, oh my gosh, by the time I get to like the later worlds, how big is this game going to get? Yeah, um, and there are world-specific gimmick levels here. There's, like, sand pit levels that show up on the world map Yeah, um, that, you know, don't show up anywhere else just because this is a desert. So. Yeah. Um, here you've got the old mu- white old white mustache king. <laughs> yeah, that's what I call the guy. He looks like um, the villain in Jumanji, like the oh British my hunter, gosh. doesn't yeah, he? He does. <laughs> that's exactly what he looks like. And that's who we're going to cast. Uh, who, yeah. who plays that guy? Yeah. Um, it's the, it's the dad. It's a, it's the same actor. He's a British actor. I can't remember his name. Is it, is it Pete Postlewaite? I think so. Yeah, I think so. He's still alive. We could get him. No, he's not. He's, he's not. He died. What? <gasps> yeah. When? Uh, like, I don't know. 10 years ago. Maybe. Oh, RIP. That guy's great. Everything yeah. he's in. He's, he's a very good actor. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, actually he might not be the guy from Jumanji. Can oh, we- I thought you were going to say not be dead and i'm like that's that's no 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 he no i think i get this guy confused with another actor sorry for this tangent but i think this is very important we're gonna have to do jumanji corner but i also i think let's just keep going i'll remember it eventually Um, jonathan jonathan stephen jeffrey king what he's known professionally as jonathan jonathan hyde Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. He's in uh Titanic. He's like yes, some yes, asshole in yes, Titanic. Yes, he is. He okay. is he has big asshole energy. Thanks um, for looking him up. But he is a good actor in pretty much everything I've seen him. He's alive. Good. Okay. <laughs> Look <laughs> Thank at that. Goodness. <laughs> what dead oh my gosh, he's, al- the next. he's also uh he's the the butler in Richie Rich. Yeah, right. Remember, yeah, I thought that was Pete Postle Wave too. But no, it's, it's I'm not. telling you, this guy in the '90s, especially, this guy's great. Like he's been in a lot of stuff in the '90s. Should we have a segment called, called Pete Postle Wave or Jonathan Hyde? It'll be like a game. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I can't be the only one who gets those two guys confused, no, and they're not like that. A, dis- they're not that like similar. I just like, I don't well, understand it. 
it's like Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman, you know, like see that I, one. I, I that one I never get. I never screw up. That one I always screw up. But you want to know what's going to ruin like the rest of your 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 life in terms of these two actors? What if I talk, talked about uh, Gene Jackman and Hugh Hackman? Oh, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> yeah, you're get never gonna you're never gonna no, say those actors' no. names right stop ever it, again. Stop it! Stop! <laughs> oh, I can't. Um, uh, who's our coupling here? Uh, who knows? Uh, Morton Coop. Morton, Morton Coop Jr. So uh, these the only reason I'm listing them is because like they they are specific characters. Like they do, especially when you play the SNES version, they do a better job with the pixel art of showing like they are very much their own characters. So. Yeah um world three is waterland um this is the most fun in terms of world map to me so this is the first kind of multi-landmass world it is a Mm -hmm. water world so it's a chain of islands you travel between islands through warp pipes um the chain of islands that are to the far right of the map where you're eventually winding up where the uh, castle is uh is in the shape of japan um and where the castle is is roughly where kyoto would be in japan which is where nintendo is headquartered um, and who is the king? It's Mario. Um, oh, so I find, of course. of course, I find this this world map to be like very cute um, that they even do that. I think that's a fun idea. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of water levels in this world being water land. The and the worst enemy in the whole sure. game. Worse than the sun. The giant sheep. The giant sheep. Yes. sheep. Yeah. Unfair. Def- I, I'm pretty sure that this is where my friend and I would always die when we were first playing this game. So I remember being a little kid being like, oh, Frog Mario is the best. Like Frog Mario, you know, <laughs> you should be him in all the levels. And you can be the Frog Mario in the cheap, cheap levels because he can kind of swim fast. But he definitely dies easily. You want to oh, be yeah. fire. You want to be Fire Flower Mario here. Absolutely. Um, but even still, the son of a bitch comes back um, yep. if you kill him. Um, but yeah, as a little kid, I was like, no, you should be Frog Mario because it's Waterland and just getting massacred by the giant cheap, cheap. Yep. But I mean, anything else to really say about this world? No, and I think we can kind of fly through the others quickly. So World 4, another kind of mind-blowing level as a kid, especially because, again, I'm pretty sure World 4 was like, I didn't see World 4 for a while. I think I was just dying constantly. World 3 is very uh, Um, big step up. uh, World 4 is giant land. Um, It's very similar to World 1, except everything is huge, uh, which kind of broke my brain, I think, as a kid. Um, This is the first time you get the Tanuki suit. Um, you fight Iggy Koopa and you have described the, you yes. just, you described the king as fat turban boy king. <laughs> okay, listen to me. Look up the picture no, of I, the world. You're He's not wrong. Fat, fat turban boy. I'm not making fun. Not it's just, funny. it's funny seeing you, seeing how you described the bosses of these levels. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel like th- this is like ripe for fan fiction, like all oh, of these kings. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing, too. Like, um, you can see why mm-hmm. Nintendo went with like adorable Sprixies versus like in this world, we have yeah. these, in this game, we have things like Old Wizard King, Fat Turban Boy King. Like, Ugh. they're far less I- endearing uh, than, say, the Sprixies. Yeah. Um, but so then we get to Skyland, which is also a pretty fun gimmick. Um, this is split between half the world map is a kind of just an ordinary grasslands world map, almost like world war world. I was going to say world war one, um, almost like world one, <laughs> just like world war one or world war one. Um, the conflict that began in 1914 with the assassination that introduced mustard Birdman gas, much like this by, game introduces yes, mustard gas as a mechanic, um, by the terrorist organization, black hand. It's very similar. <laughs> um, but so you have this, these, uh, basically just like hard, uh, grass grasslands world, um, levels, 
separated uh, by a tower level. Um, and after you complete the tower level, you are on the sky map, which are sky worlds. Um, also, all of the kind of like bonus areas, like the toad houses and things like that, are up in the sky. Um, and most of the levels up in the sky involve cloud platforms, um, making big long jumps between clouds, things like that. Yeah. Um, whereas the land levels feature kind of like some eating plants. Um, the shoe power up is featured here for the first time in the land levels. Um, and again, the sky levels just kind of navigating, um, you know, platforming levels. Uh, very cool aesthetic, though. Cool gimmick for this level. Um, as I mentioned, the king here, he looks like an old wizard. He looks like Gandalf. He just has long white hair, a long white beard. Um, and this uh, Koopaling holds a place <laughs> in my heart. It is Roy Koopa. Um, yeah. And one of our you've cats- mentioned before, I think, uh, your love for Roy Koopa. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah because of your I cat. Love, yeah, I love Roy Koopa. One of our cats is named Roy after Roy Koopa. One of our cats is named Bowser after Bowser. So I love Roy. Roy's the one with the like pink sunglasses. He's got some big bad '90s hip hop attitude. Uh, the exact same as my cat Roy. So yeah. Um. So next we've got Iceland, uh, not the country. Um, <laughs> where we've. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I didn't think uh, about that fun, fun, fun thing about this world. There's ice. Ice there is, is the gimmick. Ice. There's a lot of yeah, ice. Very you can, yeah. Mario becomes a very slippery boy. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously you've got to combine that with uh, tiny platforms. And so you're slipping and falling off platforms constantly. Yeah, I will say the one gimmick I kind of remember besides that is um, there are those jumping flower enemies um, and they are frozen at ice block, yeah. ice blocks in certain levels. And so you have to balance, um, you know, between using the fire flower, but also being careful to not melt them. Which is yes. Nice. And, and here <laughs> you fight uh, what Aaron calls Hitler King. Well, no, you're rescuing Hitler King. Oh, sorry. You, yeah. You're fighting to save Hitler King. <laughs> yeah, you're fighting. He looks like Hitler. Like, yes. am I wrong? Look at no, look you're at, not. You're not yeah. wrong. You're not wrong. I just, it's, it's, I didn't. It's, it's all. I mean, it all makes perfect sense when I'm reading what you wrote, which is the first time I'm reading it. <laughs> it's, uh, but I wouldn't have. I don't know. I wouldn't have thought it in the moment. But you're absolutely right. You're accurate with all of these. And then, <laughs> and you fight uh, Lemmy Koopa. Yes, Lemmy Koopa in this one. And then um, aesthetically, I think the coolest world in this one. Um, it's called Pipeland. I would agree. Probably my favorite uh, world. Um, so it's really kind of like the jungle world uh, as well. So uh, again, you're on multiple different like kind of islands um, separated by warp pipes, um, but there are giant um, carnivorous plants on the world map. And this world in general features a lot of plant uh, creatures and kind of um, some, a lot more of those jumping plant enemies. So yeah, this is kind of the template for the jungle world that would appear in other Mario games. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you fight uh, Ludwig von Koopa or Ludwig von Koopa. Ludwig. Ludwig, yes. Um, and you are finding to save, he's just like a Viking. He's got like a classic yeah. Viking haircut, Viking beard. I think it's kind of interesting that the Viking is the ruler of the jungle world and not the Iceland, but what are you going to do? Fun fact, the last, or, well, not that it's not the last two we talked about, but Roy Koopa is named after Roy Orbison. And yes. I'm pretty sure Ludwig is Beethoven. Right, got to be. Um, I thought it was Ludwig von Jones, uh, Miyamoto's meth dealer. Oh, but who, who's to say? Uh, who's to say? Um, anyway, uh, so the last level, the Dark Land, uh, where Bowser is the boss. I mean, this is kind of a neat. It's it's like three stages. It was weird, like playing this for the first time and and being like, oh, is this it? Like, am I about to finish this? And then you kind of get transported to a new area and then another area after that. Um, yeah, I mean, you, 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 there's, 
probably the biggest element of this is your fight. There's a lot of like tank, like um, what do you call it? I don't, I don't know how to. If, uh, so I, there, I, I can't there, think of the word like an, just so, like a, a word for a bunch of like war vehicles. You know, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but what the interesting Armada, thing is, I don't, I don't yeah, know. these are so these are auto scrolling levels. But the idea, kind mm-hmm. of, I think they're going for is that instead of the level pushing Mario along, I think the idea is that these giant <clears throat> kind of you know battle tanks and airships and fortresses, they're like charging at you. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, it's auto scrolling, but it's looking as though these giant war vehicles are scrolling towards you. They're so big that you are jumping on them. You are defeating enemies on them while the actual vehicles are, you know, blowing fire at you, shooting bullet bills at you, doing all of those things. Yeah. And we should probably mention, because I don't know if we did before, is that one of the biggest aesthetic carryovers from like that was an introdu- introduced in this game and used many, many, many times since in Mario games is the is the airship. The airship is huge and very prominent in this because every final level in this game, for the most part, is an airship. Yes. And they're very and they get very difficult, uh, especially as a young kid trying to play, you know, trying to get their feet in literally and in, in, together in platformers. You know, it's just a lot of projectiles. It's just kind of chaos. Um, definitely died a lot of times as a kid on these levels. It. They're, some of them are quite tricky. I will say, uh, really, the only levels I died on in this re, you know, this playthrough were fortress levels. I think I died a couple times in the fortress levels, and just some stupid deaths. I had a lot of stupid deaths uh, that I, you know, abused the rewind feature. Ah, uh, uh, yes, the before. rewind. That's which is even better than <clears throat> better than uh, safe states. Yep. Rewind. Yeah. Unfortunately, the rewind feature is not present in the N sixty four version but they do oh, but n64 does have safe states um but yeah so the final fight is against bowser you kind of tra- traverse bowser's castle and fight bowser the way to beat bowser in this is there's kind of a uh, bunch of like breakable blocks beneath you and bowser will kind of slam down and you'll see him you know if he misses you he'll break those blocks and you just need to get him to kill himself basically yeah you i mean yeah you're tricking him essentially you're you're it's the ultimate trick which is um, but which is uh, significantly different than how you defeat Bowser it, in Super Mario Brothers. But it's because Mario since then has become a pacifist and he, you know, while he won't personally harm another person um, or he won't harm Bowser, he uh, lets just Bowser kill himself, which is, is very, like, very noble. Is he like Christopher Nolan's Batman? <laughs> yes, but not like uh, Zack Snyder's Batman. No, oh, no. Who just straight no, up no, murders no. people. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's that's Mario Brothers three. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> Super Mario Brothers three. Yeah, um, just some generic random things that we haven't talked about. Yeah, um, there are treasure ships on the world map. Yes, um, and those you again they're just traveling elements. You go on them and they're just full of coins. Um, we talked about it a little at the end, but there are goal cards which um, at the end of each level, as you mentioned, it kind of very artificially just ends with like a white zigzag line um, on the right side of the level screen. And then it just becomes like a black, simple background. And there is kind of a roulette machine with a different symbol, either a mushroom, star, fire flower, or no, that's it. I wanted to say heart. Yeah. That's, that's no. Yeah. And um, you kind of get a random one or not, um, depending on how you finish the level. And then matching three of a kind gives you different power-ups or getting any random assortment gets you at least one new life. 
Also, random thing we didn't mention are peach letters. Peach will give you a letter oftentimes after, you know, transitioning from one world to the next, where she just gives Mario a cute little message and then a special item, typically a P-Wing, but you can get some other random stuff from her as well. Yep. Um, and that's, oh, there is one other thing that I did not realize. Do you know about white toad houses? No. So that, I that was not... one of the secrets I, I had. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, so, so yeah. So again, this is a game full of secrets. I have played this game for, as I said, like 25 plus years. A, mo- a lot of these I, I do not know. One of them that I looked up is white toad houses. And apparently that if you end certain areas of worlds or certain levels with a certain amount of coins, yep. a special white colored toad house will appear. Um, which I don't think ever happened to me in all the years that I played this game. Yep. I I don't, I, this is like a multiple of something. I don't, I don't even know. Um, yeah. What are other, any other secrets that you kind of found looking up? Um, well, so there's one and I don't even know. I think they got rid of this in the Super Nintendo version. Cause I think I, I or the, the All-Stars, I think I tried it. Is you, if you use the P-Wing in the Bowser fight, um, you can actually fly, or maybe it's right before the Bowser fight. You can ba- basically fly into another arena that looks exactly the same, but Bowser will just like kill himself. Whoa. Like he doesn't, like he's like passive. It's weird. Interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. I, they might have, I don't even know if that, like, I'm assuming that's in the original still, like, because I can't like patch that out. But like, right. I, I tried doing it. I watched like a YouTube video. I tried doing it in the, um, in my version and in the all-star version, it wasn't there. So, yeah, Uh, I honestly can't even remember off the top of my head. Some of the other secrets there. there Yeah. If you, if you Google super Mario brothers, three secrets, like giant lists come up. And again, like things that I, a player, very experienced player just never found. Um, Yeah. yeah. So would you want to live in this world? Well, well, you get to pick any world, I suppose. (sighs) No. Yeah, I'm going to say no. No, I wouldn't. I, I really wouldn't. Uh, it's kind of like a, I don't know. I, I'm never going to say yes for Mario. It's weird. It's just not not appealing. I wouldn't say it seems like dangerous, but it just doesn't seem like, like, what the hell would I do? I can't picture myself in that world. Yeah, some at all. video game worlds, like I would absolutely not want to live there, but they'd be like, yeah, I'd go on vacation there. Mario, I wouldn't even do that. I'd go on like a day trip because Mario worlds have very little infrastructure. Like the only actual structures on the map are like toad houses and castles. Like where do you sleep? Like where do you eat? Like what what are the attractions? Like you're just kind of wandering around like a bunch of assholes are trying to kill you at all times. Even though the world looks very like bright and colorful. I'm going to say no. Absolutely not. Before we go to the next one, we forgot to do uh, what works and doesn't work. Oh, that's, that's and, I mean, this, really this is, this is fast. I, you know, for what works, I mean, honestly, like, I think everything objectively works. It's not really like a, it's one of those things where like, I think this game is, is, is incredible. Like it just on its own, like objectively, it's just, it's, so what doesn't work is just little, maybe nitpick things that I would say are not really objective flaws of the game. Like, I agree. You know what I, I mean? Would, I, I, I kind of mentioned everything. Like some levels are just shorter. So I, I, I find like, I just find Mario world to be a more pleasant experience for me to play, but really this game is just so well-made. I, I really don't have many negative things to say about it. 
Yeah, I'm going to say for what works and what doesn't, I'm just going to put the same thing. And I think this is a very simple Mario game. Yeah. Um, it's it's It sets up so many things that Mario will do in the future, but so many things that Mario, Mario games in the future will refine and improve upon. Um, this really like crystallized the, you know, all the gameplay promise of Mario one, I think. Um, but I, I think that simplicity is a double-edged sword because I think if you were looking for a more robust meteor Mario experience, something like world, something like 64, any of the newer Mario games will scratch that itch in a better way. Um, but if you were looking for a very snack size, like easy to approach, you know, fast Mario game with these bite-sized levels and a lot of fun concepts, um, you want something simple, then this game will be right up your alley. Yeah. Um, so again, it's not like about good or bad. I think it's just about different. Like the, the difference with this game between other Mario games is uh, it, it is simpler, but it's very high quality. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so we're not living here. Um, who are we casting? So I can go first. Yeah, um, let's are, let's see what you have to say. We already we already talked about who would be our in our Mario movie cast when we talked about the announcement of the real life Mario movie. However, we decided to well, I decided to kind of brush up again because uh, I was thinking about it to this time. Um, you're kind of gonna offer a little more commentary because we did discuss a little this. bit. Yeah, I did. I, I must admit, I did not like recast this for this episode. Yeah, no worries. We can yeah. we can talk about my choices. So for right out of the gates, let's just get Mario get Mario done. Adrian Brody is Mario. Um, and I say <laughs> sure. that because sure. um, I think he's a great actor and I think he has range and I think he has some goofy, silly range that if he were not in front of the camera and he could really go off the chain in a recording studio, I bet you could get a very fun Adrian Brody performance as Mario. Bob Hoskins. Yeah, I still think Bob Dig him up. Yeah. <laughs> Get him out there. <laughs> or what would be even better is if Pete you just Hustleweight? Take... Just dig no, him up? No, <laughs> what would be even better is if you were to retroactively, like, Frankenstein his his audio together with old Bob Hoskins recordings. <laughs> oh, no. It would be incredible. Oh, man. Um, Luigi, I believe I said it before, but I'm going to stick with it. Brad Garrett. Give me a Brad Garrett, Luigi. Give me a Jonathan Hyde, Luigi. <laughs> I uh, Jonathan Hyde Bowser, I think would be good. Or a yeah, tool. that would be much better. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So Brad Garrett's Luigi Peach. How about this, Liza Minnelli? Liza Minnelli is Peach. <laughs> what do you think? Just because Peach like needs to be like way over the top and hysterical because she's always getting kidnapped, and then Liza Minnelli can't also flip it the other way and do like the very candy sweet like. Oh, Mario, baby. Like in a creepy old lady way. Uh, yeah, it would. Be. Yeah. So like reading the peach letters for coming from her would be great. Sure. Not Betty White. Too soon. Not too, uh, too soon. Also, Betty White's in hell. So, you know, we can get people from heaven. <laughs> we can't get people from hell. Um, Toad, I'm going to say just for the for the kids, Kid Cuddy. I think Kid Cuddy would just be great. For the kids? Just for what, the kids? What? I don't, you don't seem very in touch with what the kids are listening I, to. You know, not. <laughs> it's like, it's like just I, for the kids, Roy Orbison. <laughs> you know, again, let's Frankenstein his lines together. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so Toad would be Kid Cuddy, um, just to, to appeal to the hip young kids. Sure. Uh, also, I love Kid Cuddy. Can I can so, I yeah. submit an alternative for the yes. kids? Yes, Ti. 
T.I., yeah. You know, he and his wife love sex slavery, um, but <laughs> not of the kids, just of, you know, of their uh, consenting adult fans. Yeah. Um, and then we have Bowser. Uh, Idris Elba. Idris Elba as Bowser would be great. Sure. I mean, he'll be Knuckles uh, and Bowser. Yeah. It'll yeah. be interesting I mean, to he see. he could really corner the market. Um, on yeah. Video game I'm going to go John Hamm. Okay. Uh, I all right. I I don't want to see. I want to like see John Hamm, but I want him to really really reach in his performance. I yeah. don't want him to be comfortable. Gotta, yeah. No, he needs to tap into this kind of like rage. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, that's that's that. Um. What what are you thinking about Kingdom Hearts Corner on this one? We've done Kingdom Hearts mm-hmm. Corner on Mario games in general. But what's your Kingdom Hearts Corner specifically on Super yeah, Mario so Brothers 3? I tried to do something different where I thought I was being creative. And then once I finished, I looked at what I wrote and I was like, this is just the level, uh, the Peter Pan level for Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I mean, um, that's not that's not a bad because mine is essentially a reskin of a Kingdom Hearts. I thought I was being creative. I was like, all right, it's just going to be the battleship. It's going to be a flying battleship and you're going to be oh. like in it and on top of it moving around, which again, it's just like the Neverland level. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like boring and probably level. boring and repetitive, like the Le- Neverland level two. Um, so Sora will be dressed in a Tuki suit. Donald will be in the frog suit and Goofy in the Hammer Brothers suit the whole time. Okay, I love that as well. Um, and really, like mini, maybe like a mini boss is like a heartless infested like Hammer Brothers. And then at the end, you're going to pick up a pea feather, and you're going to fly and fight Bowser flying. That I love. That is great. Um, kind of like the Bald Mountain fight, um, the Cherenbog fight, Cherenbog or whatever. Cherenbog? In Kingdom Hearts 1, the demon from the mountain, from Night on Bald Mountain in Fantasia, where you're oh, flying. Oh, yes. And yes. The last yes, yes. boss as well. Yeah. I was thinking like the one you fight, the clock tower, the... Um, um, oh, yeah. That, yeah. The, or, what the heck is that the, thing called? The, like the Phantom. Yes. Yes. Or the, uh, the dragon boss fight in Mulan in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my idea was like, how do you incorporate all these different worlds into one game? Because that was kind of the thing for me, like to make it Super Mario Brothers three specific. <clears throat> so I had the central hub area. I basically did um, the uh, Steamboat Willie level in Kingdom Hearts two. Okay. So there'd be kind of a central hub area with that like cartoony style, um, and then you know Sora, uh, Donald, and Goofy would change forms. Uh, I love your forms. I would love Donald in the frog suit. I just I couldn't even think of specific ones to give them. You know, maybe a Goomba form, maybe a you know whatever. But mm-hmm. I love, love, love. Um, I'm gonna steal your idea. I'm gonna have um, Donald be in the frog suit, and I'm gonna have uh, Goofy be a hammer, bro. Sora um, will not transform, but he'll be wearing like overalls like Mario. So in this level, you will travel through warp pipes to discrete like level chunks um, yeah. that are representative of each world, mm-hmm. um, presumably defeating Heartless or kind of gathering items or whatever the case may be. And then you would have a final fight with Bowser, um, like kind of in a Bowser's castle area. The Keyblade you would get as a kind of twist on things, you would get it at the beginning of this world instead of the end. Um, and the gimmick of this Keyblade would be after a certain number of conditions, it would transform into one of the different items. It would like form change. So mm. the keyblade would be called Let's A Go. Um, <laughs> and, you know, based on if you hit a, a bunch of vanilla enemies, it would give, it would, so the top of the the like keyblade, it would change. Like the end of it uh, would be like a star, a mushroom, a fire flower, uh, like Sanuki leaf, like whatever the case may be. And like, let's say if you use magic, like the fire spell 10 times, it would transform into the fire flower. So for Sora's regular attacks would be imbued with fire. 
Um, if you say defeated a certain number of enemies, it would become the mushroom and Sora would like grow in size for a certain am- amount of time and things like that. Hmm. Um, so that would be kind of the way that Keyblade would, would kind of change up the gameplay. Nice. I, I did not name my Keyblade, but I have basically just like a, the shaft is like a warp whistle and the keychains, one of those like question balls that you get. Yeah. Um, so for, yeah, yeah, for mine, it would be um, like the item at the end and then uh, a warp pipe as kind of the, the main, I don't know, stem. What would you call that? It's shaft. I could sh- call it the shaft, the shaft or the key. The, the length, the length of the blade. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Um, I did not find any fan fiction that I thought was worth talking about. Um, I didn't have a ton of time to look, um, but I just it was just very uninspired. I was very disappointed. And, and again, I, this is a Mario Brothers three specific fan fiction. That's again, the thing. As I mentioned, I just found some like really crappy, like short story about a, someone kind of role playing as Mario and picking up like power ups and just killing enemies. It was not very interesting. Yeah, it's really difficult to find Super Mario Brothers 3 specific fan fiction. You can find Mario fan fiction of basically every variety under the sun. But for this game, it was a bit tricky. I found two that should absolutely not exist. Um, Okay. I'm going to read one to you. Um, This one is called Prism. It is completed. It is uh, a, I believe, nine to ten chapter story. I'll look up the author in a minute because I have a certain amount of text selected that I would like to read. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. I would like, I'm going to read this to you and I would like you to guess what character um, this is based upon. Okay. Okay. All right. She screamed before he could even think to scold her. He felt himself run into something stiff. Then a strike to the head, the ground beneath him, then nothing. When he woke alone to find that he had been left for dead, empty hands, clutching cursed eyes that saw only what he never asked to see. For the first time, he truly wished it had been so. Ellipses. Black, like the tangled sheets that asphyxiated him as they fought. Ultimately, there was no victor, but he tumbled out of bed and onto the cold stone floor, defeated nonetheless. He was back there again. He heard their voices, saw their faces. He hadn't known for how how far behind they had fallen. Didn't know the soldiers were upon them until it was too late. Had he only been faster, had he only been stronger... Who do you think I'm? Who do you think the story is about? Toad, <laughs> Roy Koopa. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, so the, I, as I said, the story is called Prism. Um, it is by Queen Kath with a K of Rhine, like the river, the river Rhine R. Okay. Um, it is ten chapters. It is about one hundred and four thousand words. Um, it is a prequel to Super Mario Brothers 3, providing a backstory to each Koopaling based on the colors of the rainbow, hence why it is called Prism. The amount of thought that goes into things that end up like kind of <laughs> manifesting themselves in stupid forms is, it's, it's is really, really incredible. It's again, it's an example of like, also, this was written in 2020. Like, this is new. This is fresh off. This is hot off the presses. Or, I'm sorry, hot off the presses. It was updated in September 24th, 2021. So this person is active in this story. Again, it's 104,000 words. Uh, like, this person has talent. Um, and this is what they are choosing to do with it, which is absolutely baffling to me. Wow. 
So that was one I found. Um, another one I found, I am going to, in the Zoom um, link, I'm going to share with you the picture uh, of this <clears throat> story. Okay. Um, I'm going to send it over. Can I send over files to you or can I only screen share? Uh, you can only send like a screenshot. You'd have, or you could, you, you could share your screen or you could uh, just like put it, copy paste it in the chat, like an I image will, or something like that. Copy paste it in the chat. <laughs> okay. It's really, uh, it's, this is worth the, the airtime it's taking. I Do you need me to vamp in the meantime? Yes, please. Yeah. Vamp to your heart's content. So the first time that I ever played Metroid Prime, um, I thought that it was just one of the most mind-blowing transitions from 2D to 3D that I had ever seen. And I think even more so than The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Now, the thing about Metroid Prime is that it captures the mood of Metroid in a way that even the original Metroids never did. I see you've sent it over, so I will end vamping and I will open this image now. Um, which is actually, I would like you to, I would like you to describe, well, first read the title and I would like you to describe first the description and then the cover. Oh, sorry. Okay. The description. All right. This is, oh, I, I saw this. You did. (laughs) I did. I did. I completely forgot about this. I saw this a couple days ago. It just didn't didn't mark it down so this is okay the tell me again what you want me to do in order just for the sake i would like you to first tell us the title yeah it's called the destruction of the mushroom kingdom tell us the tell us the the plot description a kidnapping a murder two titans charging headlong into doomed battle either would trade the world for triumph now i would like you to read the tags completed no that's not one (laughs) epic that is one though completed is one this is a complete work luigi (laughs) poetry and there's six more that i can't see i I didn't look at them when i when i pulled it up but i was actually really upset about how short this poem was yes but it's it's the perfect length though also Um, also, this is by wolf stahl yes it is Um, please tell us a uh Give the viewers a, a paint a picture with your words of the cover. It is a like a National Geographic like uh, image of a a single mushroom growing on like moss in like kind of bathed in sunlight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, does it look more like a book on mycology than perhaps say an epic poem on the fall of the mushroom it's, kingdom? It sure does. What, what's funny is like, it does it say like the number one like New York Times bestseller? I can't see the Texas. So small, but, like here's here's the thing. So there's a big number two in the corner because this is the number two Mario fan fiction on this site. Oh, it does. It does. It says number one New York Times. No, right? Yeah, it's worst seller. I can't tell what it says. I, I don't know, but can you please? So it's number two on this website in terms of Super Mario fan fiction. Number yeah. two. Okay, it's number two. Please tell us how many views it has and how many stars. It has 38 views and one, <laughs> and one star. It has one star and it's number two. <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's not that long. Read um, like, I, I think the last couple were, I, were pretty entertaining. Yeah, so um, it kind of ends the way it begins. Um, so, uh, 
yeah. So I, I will read the first couple of stanzas and I'll read the first stanza and then I'll read the last couple. So the first stanza, it starts. The Italian came down like a snake through the pipe for his glory and vengeance. The time was quite ripe. And the red of his shirt was like the blood on the sands as he traveled to face me through far reaching lands. Um, it sounds like the Grinch a little bit. All right. So a little bit. Down. But so falling the hammer that brutally strikes and so failing his leaping, the green meets the spikes like the wheat on the ground after swingeth the scythe. So the green one lay gasping and clinging to life. Then the plumber goes forth like a shark sighting blood as his brother's last breath bubbles up through the mud. <laughs> and his wrath finds renewal and vengeance and rage with his princess forgot in the war that we wage. The Italian came down like a snake through the pipe <laughs> for his wrath and his hatred. The time was quite ripe. And the red of his shirt was like blood on the sand. And he fatally fell as I made my last sand. The end. Very good. Hello. <laughs> and this very, has been Game and Watch. And very been good. <laughs> I gotta watch. I, I maybe I'm tempted to just like smash cut to the credits music or to the closing music and just not even do the rest of our oh, catch up. I, I mean, what have you? What have you been doing? There, oh man, for that that performance. <clears throat> very good. That was wonderful. Uh, I, it, um. Maybe I feel like we should just like include a link to that in the, the description of the episode. <laughs> I mean, listen, fan fiction, everyone. It's an amazing thing. Everyone needs to appreciate it. Yeah. Um, what have I been doing lately? Uh, well, playing this, uh, I, I saw the new Scream. Um, I think it's great. Uh, it was probably my second favorite of all the Scream movies. I, and then after that, I rewatched Scream for uh, three, uh, two, three and four. because I've seen the first one a ton. Um, and I would say that if I had to rank the screen movies, it would probably be one, five, four, two, three. And one is kind of in a whole nother tier than the rest of them. Okay. Um, yeah, I've heard really nothing but amazing things about it. It was the, delightful. Yeah, um, yeah. It was it was meta in a, in a, in a good way. Like it, it like it's clearly like aware of uh, how annoyingly meta it can get at times. And it kind of just owns it, which I which I appreciated. Um, I saw Encanto. I thought that was good. Um, I saw Parallel Mothers, um, which is a Penelope, Penelope Wait, Cruz like a, a movie. film or in your real life? I saw a film uh, called uh, Parallel Mothers. And, and what, I'm, what I want to say about that are a couple things worth noting. So Penelope Cruz is fantastic in it. Um, it is a it is a drama about two women, two single mothers who, who kind of meet in like a maternity ward and, and have, they just kind of, kind of bond um, over being pregnant and then they have their kids and they kind of stay in touch. And I won't say anything else about it, but it, it's a, about the plot. It, it's, it's, it's a very dramatic movie. There are some very like emotional things that happen. And what's really weird about it is that every character acts like a very responsible, calm adult the entire time there are things like if this was like an American movie, like a stereotypical, like American drama, I swear you'd see like, there's like a, there'd be a moment where something really dramatic happens where you'd have two characters yelling at each other. Like 
this one this one person drops this inc- like insane news on this other woman and and instead of like it blowing up and they're just like, I'm sorry, I need to leave now. Um, I need to kind of let's let's talk tomorrow when this is kind of all like, you know, when I've had a time to digest this and, you know, I don't want to like fight with you right now. Like, I'm just going to leave. It's like, what? What? And, <laughs> um, and it's like it, there's like a, a like there's adultery in it. And and this one, uh, this guy, you know, she's just like, oh, did you tell your wife? Um, he's like, yeah, I told her um, that we've been sleeping together. And yeah, we've decided to separate. And I think it's for the best. We, we had to talk about it. It's like, what is, what am I watching? <laughs> um, and I honestly, it's, a can't, I, I'm, it's an understatement at how like everyone acts so responsibly in the face of such incredible, intense, powerful, emotional stakes. I've never, I've really like never seen anything like it. And I don't think that's the point. I, this, this director might have other stuff like that. Um, I, it was just astonishing to see that in sharp, sharp, sharp contrast to all the other just screaming ridden like crying sobbing just gut punch like dramatic movies i've seen this was just not that and i found that to be delightful (laughs) really it was it was a good watch it was a very good performance uh yeah i thought it was a good movie okay interesting um do you know the very famous ogato man line um sounds very familiar okay if you have the time, I would suggest we pause the recording so you can watch it and then we'll redo the rec- well, re-engage the recording so you can discuss what you've seen. Okay. I will take pa- it will take less than a minute. I'm gonna pause the recording right now. Okay. So, so now yeah. now to make a comparison between that line reading and or that handling of a situation and parallel mothers. Uh no nothing like it there's not 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 a it couldn't be the furthest from this mo- further from this movie yeah yeah if you're wondering what we're talking about google or go on youtube and search ogato man um or look up it is ryan o'neill in the i believe the movie tough guys don't dance yes it's incredible i i, I feel like I've, I've heard that dialogue before like as a snip like a just an audio clip in like a podcast or something but i don't yeah, think i ever it's, saw it's that a clip cool. It's a quintessential example of like American film melodrama, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Um, what have I been up to? I've been continuing to read One Piece. I'm almost on chapter 500 of the manga. Um, the storyline I'm in now, or rather just finished, uh, was really fun. Um, but uh, definitely, I think, purposely so, because the story arc before it was very serious. Um, I like it okay, but I'm definitely like, okay, let's let's kind of get to the, the meat and bones of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, on the cheap, because it's not very expensive now, I got a used copy of um, One Piece Pirate Warriors 4 for mm. PlayStation 4. Just because I'm like, oh, I want to beat up um, some people as Zoro, or yeah, Zoro slash Zolo. Um, and I was like, uh, I don't want to get those games though, because they're Musou games. And I'm like, not necessarily super into Musou games. I loved um, War- Hyrule Warriors, but I was like, this is a little ridiculous. Like, it doesn't really fit into the fiction. The only one of those Zelda. types of games that I've really, like, played more than a- an hour is Persona 5 Strikers. And I think yeah. that was a great game. Yeah, well, so I think you'll like this game as well. Because um, it actually, in context, makes sense that One Piece would be a Musou game. Um, there's, like, a certain point in the story where I think the East Blue saga of One Piece is incredible in terms of making, like, 
smaller problems be very dynamic and interesting. Like when they first meet Zolo and he's still locked in the cage. Like mm-hmm. at that point, like th- no one can even break a cage. Like that's, they have to figure it out. Like how are we going to get this cage open? Whereas by the time I am in one piece, mm-hmm. it's like every character can take out like 3000 Navy soldiers by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so like one piece actually does warrant a Muso game. Like you do have Luffy just beating up on 700 soldiers at a time in the manga at this point. <laughs> Um, so I've been having a lot of fun playing that. Um, the only arcs I can play through so far, though, now, or the only arcs, rather, I have played through are um, Alabasta and Eni's Lobby. Okay. Um, so it is motivating me to read the manga so that I can play the, you know, further levels down the road um, in story. But <clears throat> in terms of a Muso game, if I would say if you like One Piece, Pirate Warriors 4 is great. Um, I would recommend picking it up. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Um, probably. Oh, okay. Well, we don't have time for that. No. Um, so yeah. So next week we are going to be releasing our episode on the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, d- near and dear to our hearts. Very near and dear to our hearts. And after that, I don't think we know exactly what we're doing, but we are, we've got something in the works that is going to be a multi-part episode. Uh, I won't reveal what it is yet. Um, and it's the kind of thing where, you know, it might annoy some people to see probably three weeks worth of, uh, of work put into a game that they might never play, but I don't care. I don't care either. And if you are annoyed by it and you haven't played this game, go play this game. And then you will probably understand why we are spending three weeks on it. Yeah. They don't know what it is now, so they can't play it. Right. But you should go play it. Right you now. should go. Yeah, you should go play right now. Just pick any random game, play it for <laughs> ad nauseum until the episodes come out. I just hope you've guessed correctly. Yeah, it's a one in a, I don't know, million shot. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Good Good luck. Good, good luck, luck figuring out whatever game. the yeah. fucking game is. <laughs> All right. This has been Game and Watch with Aaron and James. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, have a great time out there in this wild world of ours. <laughs> Anything to add, James? <laughs> No, I'm good.